two days after this podcast comes out, my friend, it will be Veterans Day. So I thought there is absolutely no better time to feature a veteran that many people are privileged to know, myself included. And if you don't know him yet, well, you're going to feel like you do by the time we get done with this podcast. His name is Colonel Jim Smith, and Jim spent a number of years fighting for his country overseas. A fair amount of his service came during the Vietnam War, so we'll find out about that. Uh, Later in life, Jim has played a vital role in the organization of... uh, Many Henderson area services honoring those who have fought and continue to fight for this great country, such as the upcoming Veterans Day program scheduled at Henderson South Middle School. We will talk more about that. Jim also annually lends a hand in the Memorial Day service, which takes place each May inside Henderson Central Park, and that is just scratching the surface of the great, great work that Jim does. So what inspired him to fight for his country? And what would his advice be for those entertaining the thought of potentially doing the same in the near future? We will answer these and many, many more questions with Colonel Jim Smith on this week's Blabbing in the Bluegrass. It's episode 23 of season 6 and it starts right now. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Hillview to Bellevue, Crestview to Pleasant View, the view is always nothing short of fabulous. From where we sit inside the Blabbing in the Bluegrass studio as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. With me, Sam Moore, here at the North Quail Motel in Henderson, KY, and just outside the North Quail Motel, we've just had a bunch of yard work be completed around front and back. In fact, if uh, if we would have started this a little sooner, you probably would have heard it in the background. But, you know, that just means that this place is going to look even more breathtakingly beautiful by the time you make your reservation. And the North Quail Motel is but a mere fraction of the beauty that you're in for while perusing this great commonwealth But not only is Kentucky's scenery to be commended, its people are also to be commended, including today's special guest, who is Colonel Jim Smith. He has been a resident of Henderson for many, many years, and following his service days, he taught school at uh, both the middle and high school level. I never had him as a teacher, but uh, Jim came to speak with uh, at least one of my history classes, maybe more, about uh, his time spent in the battlefield, and he was such a pleasure to listen to and learn from, and I know that you're going to learn a great deal from him today as well. He may have retired from service, and he may have retired from school teaching, but he definitely hasn't retired from honoring those who serve and have served. So he's got a big heart, lots of American pride. That is our buzzword of the day. Just mark it down and remember that. And I tell you, you're going to have much, much more of it by the time we're all said and done here. No doubt in my mind. So we're going to get to Jim in just mere moments because uh, he's got a lot to say and we've got a lot to learn. Come on, let's face it. But before we get to Jim, let's have another Bluegrass Brain Buster. We do these at uh, the beginning of each and every show. At least we try. So we're going to offer the question now. And while Jim and I chat, you can think on it, but don't think too hard. You might miss some extremely fascinating details from a man who has seen things that most of us can't even imagine seeing. But anyhow, after... 
my visit with Jim, we will give you the answer of the Bluegrass Brain Buster. Now, does anybody remember the Great Lakes Bowl? The Great Lakes Bowl was a short-lived college football bowl game. It was only played for two years in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, but Kentucky, the Wildcats, were in one of those Great Lakes Bowls. I want to know, who did they play and what was the final score? Again, there were only two Great Lakes Bowl games. They were played in Cleveland, Ohio. One of them, believe it or not, included the Kentucky Wildcats. I want to know who they played and what the final score was. So reach way, way back into those memory banks and we will test the accuracy of your memory in the program's final segment. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, if you looked up American Pride in the dictionary, I'm convinced that you would find this man's picture right beside it. He proudly served his country overseas for uh, several years, and he is a uh, proud armyman, to say the least. Recently retired from the, uh, well... I guess maybe not so recently. It's been several years, but he retired from the uh, Henderson County school system as a, a longtime teacher, and for a while now, he has organized veteran-centered programs uh, throughout Henderson, the surrounding area, from the uh, Memorial Day service held in uh, downtown Henderson's Central Park each May to uh, the Veterans Day program held each November, which that's coming up. No shortage of material whenever you get this man on the telephone line here to talk about uh, his years of service and what inspired him to uh, fight for his country and who knows what else. Let's give a nice warm welcome to Colonel Jim Smith. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here, and I appreciate you asking me. Well, it was uh, definitely an honor for me when you agreed to do this, and uh, I remember you talking to a few of my classes when uh, I was a high school student out at at Henderson County, but um, when was it you retired from teaching, sir? Uh, I retired, let's see, 13 years ago. I retired at age 60. Age 60, okay. Well, no, so. I take that back. I'm older than that. How about 16 years ago? Oh, see? <laughs> I'm telling you, time, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it, Jim? Yeah, I don't even know how old I am. <laughs> we'll go with 39. How's that? That's good. That's good. <laughs> you just started teaching real young. But, uh <laughs> Anyway, it's a, it's sure an honor to to have you here, and it's a, I, I thought it was only fitting since this coming Friday is Veterans Day. But first off, Jim, why don't you talk about your uh, fondest childhood memories? Now you grew up uh, close to here, didn't you? I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay, well I, I knew you went to Western, but I'd, I'd forgotten well, I, that you were from Bowling Green originally. So. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, my dad was a, uh, after World War II, my dad came back and became a uh, city policeman in Bowling Green. Okay, so your dad was a city policeman down there. Um, What were the the earliest uh, interests and and career aspirations that you remember from, uh, from your childhood, Jim? Well, my my mother had four brothers that served in uh, World War II, and of course my dad served in World War II. Uh, he went in when he was uh, really, you know, in his early 40s, uh, like, you know, a lot of older people did during that time. But uh, I guess sitting around as a youngster and those old codgers, talking about what they did and who they saw and the friends that have lasted forever, you know, it was just kind of an inspiration that time. Nothing that I said, oh, that's what I want to do, but it sure was uh, there in the back of my mind of how important it was, uh, especially during that time that they served. So yeah. it, it, uh, it, it stuck with me for quite a while. I can imagine. And yeah, having heard about it all your life, you know, you were... You were familiar with um, a bit of, of what it entailed that I'm sure that, you know, American pride yeah. ran strong through that bunch, too. But oh, yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> it definitely instills a, a, a great sense of pride in you when you um, 
when you fight for our country. So you you know here's here's your mom and uh, she had those brothers that that fought overseas. When did you uh, ultimately decide that that was your calling, sir? I uh, I guess it was uh, in college. I uh, I went to Western at that time. Western was a land grant uh, college, and uh, the land grants it was Western. Kentucky Teachers College, and uh, they had ROTC, which was required uh, at that time, you know, I mean, there were a couple of thousand, I guess, uh, cadets uh, that were walking around on campus. Nowadays, it's not a requirement, it's totally an elective, so uh, there's not near that many, but uh, starting college, and there was an organization in the ROTC department called the Pershing Rifles. And uh, I pledged them. We considered it a social fraternity, and it stuck with me all the time at Western. But uh, we traveled around the country competing in uh, drills with, uh, you know, our, our weapons and uniforms. And we won national a couple of times. And uh, How about that? The guys... The guys that were there just became deep friends, and, uh, you know, it was military, military, and about that time, I guess, I said, well, you know, this is what I want to do. I think I would like to make a career out of this, so that's what I did, or I started after I graduated from college. Okay, so you got the degree from Western before you left over yeah, and yeah. went overseas. We went through ROTC. Uh, and you graduate, you get commissioned as a second lieutenant if you go through the four-year program that they have. So I was never an enlisted man, and it's kind of funny, only enlisted personnel get a good conduct medal. So I don't have a good conduct medal. Oh, (laughs) you were a naughty boy, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, which is kind of funny, you know. But I got commissioned uh, out of uh, ROTC as a second lieutenant and uh, was planning to go right into the Army after college, but for some reason they changed my orders for about three months and uh, had to find a job uh, digging ditches because I had just recently married my college sweetheart and uh, we stayed around Bowling Green until September of 69 when I reported to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Fort Sill, okay. So <laughs> quite a change of pace from... Uh, oh, yeah. We Bowling- put everything we owned in a U-Haul trailer and headed to Oklahoma. Oh, goodness, yeah. I remember you telling me that you and Sherry met uh, in college. I guess she came That's to, correct, yeah. to, to yeah. several of your... Um, to several of your functions there, and the, what what'd you call it? The um, what was that organization that you competed in? It was called the Pershing Rifles. Pershing Rifles. Yeah, it was an organization named after General John J. Pershing, oh, one of the okay. uh, four-star generals in the army. I'm yeah. guess, so I'm guessing she came around to some of those gatherings. Well, so. yeah, she was uh, the Pershing Rifles had a girls. Uh, ladies drill team and she was on that drill team and uh, they went around the country with us and they competed in their competition and the guys in theirs so we kind of started hanging out together and for some reason it just clicked (laughs) and uh, Uh. (laughs) now we've been married for over 50 years yeah yeah i'd say that's working out (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, hope it, I hope it sticks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's looking quite promising so, uh, sure, sure. so you, uh, you went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma in 69 you said? Yes, I was commissioned uh, at that time when I graduated as, uh, Because of my grades and stuff I had to pick one of uh, uh, armed services combat arms that was either uh, artillery, infantry, or armor, and uh, they told me that I was too big to fit in a tank, so I I could pick artillery or uh, infantry, and I said, well, I don't like to walk a lot, (laughs) so so I picked artillery, and that's what I got, and they shipped me off to uh, school uh, at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. 
at Fort Seal. Yeah, I'd, I'd also gone through the flight program at Western, and uh, that way when I got my commission, I could go to flight school. I got my private pilot's license in uh, at Western through the ROTC department, which committed me for another year of service. But, you know, I was going to be a career officer. So when I after my artillery training, I went to a little town called Mineral Wells, Texas. Oh, I've heard and, of it. Yeah, uh, right outside of Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, to flight school at Fort Walters. We learned to fly helicopters there, and then they sent me to Fort Rucker, where you learned to fly the Hueys and learned your tactics and all of that that went along with the gunships and stuff. And I was supposed to go, I was on orders that whole time to go to Vietnam, but then right before graduation, there was three of us, they uh, picked to go to transition into another aircraft. And then they sent me back to Fort Sill for a year. So oh. never never went to Vietnam then. It was later on that I did. Yeah. Okay, so the war was being fought, but you just didn't you just didn't go there right away. Yeah, we were we were supporting everything and we were sending everybody over, but I was still sitting there at uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and uh, Sherry became pregnant with our first daughter. And I had orders to go to Vietnam right before the baby was to be born. And so I called some of my friends and said, hey, I got to get an extension. So nine days after my daughter was born, I left for Vietnam and I didn't see my daughter for a year after that. Oh, bless your heart. That had to be tough. Uh, it, it really was. She sent me a lot of pictures. Oh, sure. You know, and, and everything, but you know, I, I felt obligated. I was willing to go, so I went over for a year as a helicopter pilot. Well, that's that's really neat. So you were at you were at Fort Sill uh, a couple of different occasions. Now, everybody when they when they go off to college or you know try something new, take a big step, you know, everybody's always you know a little uncertain and quite nervous. What what were your feelings when you first left for basic training? Do you remember? What exactly well, was going through your head? Well, I, you know, I had a new wife. I had a, uh, a trailer full of everything that we owned. We had no place to live. We were going to a brand new job to report in. I didn't even know if my uniform was on right. <laughs> and uh, the apprehension was there, of course, but there was no fear because this is what, uh, what we wanted to do. So uh, we pulled into Lawton, Oklahoma, like we owned the place, found a place that day, and I reported in a couple of days. So everything was was positive uh, from then on, except, of course, some of the duty you get sent to is not, not that positive. Sure, yes. But, <laughs> but uh, it was positive from then on. It was positive, and you, you knew in your heart that uh, that's what you wanted to do. Now, oh, uh... yeah, yeah. And, and I knew... I knew I was going to Vietnam. There was no, uh, you know, wondering about that because at that point in time, especially as helicopter pilot, they were all going to Vietnam because they were losing so many of them over there. Right. Yeah. So they they were needing pilots big time. So. Yeah. We were we were graduating out of flight school at least three hundred pilots a month. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and every one of those but a few went right from there over to Vietnam. So, yeah, there was a, definitely a need for them. Uh, yes, yes, a, a strong demand, to to say the least. Well, yeah, you know, World War II had the, the two-and-a-half-ton truck to move everything around in. Right. Vietnam had the helicopter because that's the way everything moved from people to water to ammunition, you know. It was all done by helicopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my favorite movies of all time is Good Morning Vietnam. <laughs> oh yeah, and, you know that's uh, that was an actual radio station over there. Oh, was it an actual uh, radio station? That's cool. Yes, AFVN American Forces Vietnam was the call sign. Oh goodness! And and the little point, uh, it was an FM radio station. And when we were fine, we had FM radios in our aircraft. We could tune in 
and listen to that while we were flying. And we would definitely tune it in when we were going into a hot LZ and they were shooting at us. We'd turn it up as loud as we could so we couldn't hear anything but the radio. <laughs> Drown out the shots. Yeah, oh yeah, goodness, yeah. that's something. Now, did they play? Uh, did they play like '40s big band music like they did on on the movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. But of course, uh, that was in the uh, the early '70s, so it was this popular music. You know, I mean, there was nothing that was thing. But, you know, one of the favorite songs was uh, "We Got to Get Out of This Place." Oh, I remember that song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and one of the songs that uh, they canceled and wouldn't play anymore was when you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Oh. <laughs> they, they quit playing that one over there. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't seem too controversial to me, but I guess they beg oh, to differ. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was a real, real radio station. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, if, yeah. if only they would have had yeah. a DJ like uh, Robin Williams on there, boy, that their ratings would have been <laughs> through oh, the yeah. roof. Well, I'm they sure. had they had crazy guys on there because you know the whole situation was crazy. Yeah, that's true, and you had to yeah. sort of laugh your way through it somehow. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, now Jim, I don't think uh, anybody really knows and can fathom how intense basic training is uh, unless and until they. Uh, tread those waters themselves. So what what were your biggest challenges during uh, basic training when you were trying to prepare for battle? Uh, well, in, in the, the training before I went in the Army, the, the biggest challenges was uh, running and push-ups. Running and push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> those were my challenge. If you didn't do it right, you did it again until you couldn't do anymore, you know. Right. And, yeah. And then in flight school, the biggest challenge is if you never, if you didn't solo fly within 12 hours of instruction, you were kicked out. You couldn't, you know, you weren't kicked out of the military, but you were kicked out of flight school. Also, you had to solo fly within 12 hours. Well, yeah, 12 hours of instruction, and you know, and and if you didn't, you had to take a, what they called a standardization ride with a, an instructor to see if you were close to soloing so you could go on but uh, oh yeah that was that was pressure in itself to make sure that you know that's what I wanted to do so uh, exactly you know, if, I, if I if I can't do it then what else am I gonna do yeah <laughs> now, so, now did they ever like uh, wake you up after two or three hours of sleep and <laughs> oh well, sometimes you know especially in the initial training and uh yeah, I, I did my, my basic training at Indian Town Gap, Pennsylvania. Okay, uh, so you went to Pennsylvania for your basic training. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was the ROTC cadets that were up there. And so we were going to be officers, so they treated us a little bit different in the classroom work. But when it was outside the classroom, they didn't treat us any different. <laughs> Oh, so you were just like the rest of them outside the classroom. Oh, yeah, just like everybody else. But uh, in the classroom, it was different because, you know, you were being taught how to teach this and how to lead. And uh, But when you were outside standing in the child line, you were just like every other person that was around. That's for sure. <laughs> Here you go. Now, uh, yeah. now, how long were you in Pennsylvania for basic training? There, nine weeks. Okay, so three months. Well... Uh, more like two months. Yeah, nine weeks, and then that was between my junior and senior year in college. Okay, so you did your basic training before your senior year. Yeah, oh. and then came back for my senior year in college because right after you graduated, you were commissioned an officer and went went in. You know, there was oh, no I delay see. except I had a two month delay. I had to wait there. Sure, and then yeah. <laughs> and then and your you next went, <laughs> your yeah, next. And then you went to your branch school whether it was armor, infantry, artillery, signal, you know, medical corps, whatever, you went straight to those schools now. Gotcha. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked to kids at the high school before, and I said, you know, hey, you think about uh, your school, and you got, you know, 12 grades here, and then you go to college, maybe four, and then you, you go on uh, to, say, get a master's, that's another year or two, and said and then when I went in the army the first thing they did they sent me to school you know <laughs> you're never done learning are you 
No, no, and even after you're in there for a while, they'll send you back to another school, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, school is seemingly never-ending, but uh, yeah. anyway. The, the only school I failed to get into was language school, you know. They oh. gave us a test when we got in the Army of this uh, made-up language, and you had it was a long test that you took, and... By taking that test, they could tell if you had the aptitude to learn a foreign language. Oh. And, and if you did, then they would send you to one of the language skills, you know, French, uh, Spanish, uh, Farsi, whatever, you know, that they would send you to. Well, I didn't even have the aptitude to learn English. Oh, so, <laughs> well. So they did not pass me. On that test, that's for sure. Well, you you weren't broke you weren't broken hearted not to go to a language school though, were you? No, no. Other than it was in California, that would have been nice. Yeah. Well, California would have been cool. Yeah, that's true. Sure, but... sure. But, <laughs> but you know, then after, after I, I got out of Vietnam and and flew over there, I went to Europe for three years, and that was nice. Oh, that's cool. So you spent three years in Europe after Vietnam. Yep. We mm -hmm. lived in Nuremberg, Germany. Uh, right down the street from where the Nuremberg Trials took place. But I spent three years there, and I guess the thing I really enjoyed was the Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, yes. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, we, we would go down to that. We weren't that far from Munich, so. Uh, but I got to fly a little bit and see things from the air over there, and then they put me in a command structure, and I started out was a battery and uh, worked on up from there. So we were there for three years. And I guess the unique thing about that is, you know, everybody said you go to Europe, you come home with two things. One thing is a grandfather clock. A grandfather clock? <laughs> That's right. And the second is a baby. A grandfather clock and, and a baby. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> you came home with both of them, huh? I came home with both of them. Yeah, I had to take our newborn down to Munich to the consulate, the American consulate, and register her like a dog, <laughs> and you had to go had to go on American soil. And of course, the embassy and the consulate is considered U.S. soil. So you take her in there, and they added her to Sherry's passport, so we could bring her home. Oh, okay. So that was your uh, that was your second daughter. That was our second daughter. Yeah, second yeah. daughter. Hi. So she has a. German birth certificate and a, an American birth certificate. There you go. So, so sort of dual citizenship, shall we say. Yeah, really it is. And her American birth certificates, it looks like an award with eagles and banners and all that. And it says, birth of a citizen abroad. <laughs> and little people, you know, people don't know that much about how that's done. But it's really unique. Yeah, I can, I can certainly tell that. Now, uh, how long were you in Vietnam, Jim? I was in Vietnam one year. One year. One year, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was there eight months, uh, and met Sherry in Hawaii on R and R. So they gave you a, a two week vacation leave from combat, and you could go to. Oh, you could go to Hong Kong, you could, could go to Thailand, they could send you to Australia, or they could send you to Hawaii. Well, of course, most of the married, they met their uh, their wives in Hawaii, so we met over there for two weeks in Honolulu, and okay. uh, had a great time, and then waved goodbye to her again, and she went back to the States, and I uh, went back to Vietnam for another four months. There you go. So Alicia got a, a two-week break at about the eight-month mark. Yeah, well, some of them took it at six you know, months, but I said, I'd rather just, when I come back, know I don't have that much time left. Yeah, you know you're over the halfway point. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, of course, we had a, the young, a young child that uh, she was taking care of, so she had to make arrangements to get my parents out at, to Oklahoma and uh, to get sit on a plane and... So we met in a little building. They had all the wives. Uh, it was a long shotgun-type building and had all the wives standing down the side of the building. And we all got off the bus from the airplane, and you walk through this building, and you just pick a wife. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully you picked the one that, uh, or hopefully most people picked the one they married. <laughs> you quick to pick the right one. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's for sure. But, you know, that, that's the way they put us back together, and then we all came back at the end and, and left the same way. So it was interesting. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, for yeah, sure. You, it, you go from somebody shooting at you to laying on Waikiki Beach to going back to somebody shooting at you. So that's a. That's a kind of a traumatic event in your life, for sure. Yeah, that's like two 180s, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But uh, anyway, you know, anytime I hear veteran stories from their their fighting days, I know that, you know, they they see things in battle that most most of the rest of us can't uh, even imagine seeing. So what what would you say were some of your your scariest times um, during your period in battle? You know, every time we flew, uh, and that's what I did. I I flew, and uh, the scariest times would be picking up people being shot at at night uh, over trees that were 150 feet tall, and you're just sitting up there hovering while you lower a rope down to these people, and you're just a target up there, so... You know, you can hear and feel the rounds hitting the, the aircraft, and you know, hey, we got to get out of here. So, oh, uh-huh. when they get hooked on the rope, you're supposed to pull them up 125 feet, and then you take off. But if you were being shot at, you drug them through the trees. So, uh, oh, rather than to, lifting them 125 <laughs> feet, yeah, yeah, uh, you didn't wait for them to clear the trees. You just took off, and they were eating branches all the way out. No, with it being nighttime in the dark, gosh, that didn't oh, make yeah. it any easier, did yeah. it? <laughs> no, and and usually what you would land to at night would be a, a strobe light, just a flash, you know, and then it yeah. would flash again. So it, yeah, when it's when it's dark, it's dark, I tell you. So, so I'm guessing your your sleep during those days was probably pretty uh, infrequent. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. You know, I mean, we would we would be sitting around. And then all of a sudden, something would happen, and you'd have to run to the flight line to get your aircraft up in the air, you know, so that you could go do whatever they wanted you to do, whether it would be pick up somebody and bring them back to the hospital or take somebody out, you know. You never knew what your mission was going to be until you got it from the operations as you were taking off. So it it was different. It was different. Yeah, it was. But that's, that's the way you lived for a year, you know. Yeah. Uh, what were the what were the sleeping arrangements like there in Vietnam? Well, we had a, a Quonset hut, you know, a little round domed building made out of aluminum, and uh, they had uh, bunks, just bunk beds in there. But everybody would scrounge up wood from uh, old ammunition boxes, and oh. you'd build a wall. And with the door to give you a little privacy, you know. Just a little, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but it it was just, and some of them had real nice, you know, and some of them didn't. I remember many nights sleeping on a cot with the, with a poncho over my head so the mosquitoes wouldn't eat me up, you know. So it was, it was. See, <laughs> not a lot of good sleeping, that's for sure. No, I bet not. A lot of us can't imagine <laughs> uh, yeah, being bit yeah. by mosquitoes during, uh, you know, during our sleep. And uh, you definitely yeah. took creative measures to <laughs> to keep from from that happening. I know. And uh, yeah. weather conditions, I'm sure, were always a an adventure as well. Sure, for for sure. But you know, I always had a. Uh, from growing up till today, I've always had a patriotic spirit, and you know I believe in what I did and what the country stands for. And uh, like the old song, I'll stand up today and do what needs to be done. But uh, and I think that's the majority of, especially those that serve, but many many of the citizens around here. You know that's the way they feel. Too. There, there's no better place than here. Oh and, no. Uh, why not? Why not go for it? You know, if you have to. Yeah. Exactly. I've heard people say, you know, if you think we have it bad here, you know, go somewhere else for a month or two. I'll, I'll pay for your plane ticket. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you. Uh, it, you know, one of the things that uh, our granddaughters did with our daughter and her husband, they went on a mission trip to Guatemala, 
and helped them build a little house. And it was just like a, a one-room shack. And it gave those girls a whole different attitude on life. Oh, I'm when sure. they saw what they have here versus what they had there. Really put yeah. things in perspective for them, didn't Oh, it? yeah. Really does. And everybody, everybody needs to see that, you know. A lot of people that complain, they don't know any different than uh, than what we got now, to pull up and get your ice cream cone anytime you wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. take it for granted till you don't have it. That's for sure. That's right. That's <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah. now I know that, uh, you know, with most every challenge in life definitely comes... Uh, a valuable lesson learned. So what would you say were uh, the most important lessons you learned during your time overseas? I guess a lesson that I learned is, you know, to appreciate what I've got. Sure. Uh, That was definitely a a learning experience for me. And another one, a lesson learned is, you know, people in other lands, they're just like I am. You yeah, know, it's uh, they have their good days, they have their bad days, they have uh, the ups and downs and the wants and the needs, just exactly like I do. But it's just a little different because we don't speak the same language, and uh, you know the customs are a little different. Yeah, different some cultures. Cu- <laughs> yeah, some of our customs they don't know why, and we don't know why they do things. But uh, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned, and I guess. Being appreciated of what I've got is, is a big, big lesson. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate what you got, and you you realize that people in you know different nations are maybe more similar to you than you might think in some cases. Oh, sure, sure they are. <laughs> but they, uh, they 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 look different, they talk different, but you know they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. Exactly, so. dress the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. indeed. And I know. Um, you know, it, it also, I'm sure, teaches you to uh, really appreciate uh, and, and value your your friendships because you, you grew to be pretty close with your uh, fellow soldiers, didn't you? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm still doing. And uh, the sad thing about it, you know, uh, at the age I am, I'm losing those friends. Sure. And uh, I, uh, I've gone to two... Uh, military funerals at Arlington Cemetery in the last couple of years of friends that have passed on. Oh, goodness. So, uh, you know, the wives are still around, and they're great friends with us, but, uh, you know, I lost my my war buddies, so, uh, yeah, you know, that's tough to do sometimes. And you lost uh, you lost some of them in battle, too, I know. Right. One, and especially those that we went through ROTC with, you know, that we were together for four years, and we all got commissioned and went in the Army. You know, uh, one of them has got killed with rockets in Vietnam. Another one has died of pancreatic cancer. Uh, you know, Agent Orange has hurt others. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of tough losing your, your friends like that. Oh, sure. Yeah, especially when you grew so close to them and spent uh, endless oh, hours yeah, well, with them. Yeah, well, you know, you put your life in their hands sometime, you know. Just oh, like yeah. They did you, so you had to had to trust them totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, y'all fought for each other out there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know you did. So uh you got back from Europe in what year now? Came back from Europe in let's see, seventy three. Oh, okay. And um and then yeah, I guess guess, um, what, guess where I went. Where did you go? To school. <laughs> back to school. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Did no, you go back to Western? No, I went back to Fort Sill. The Army sent me to school. Oh, the Army sent you back to Fort Sill. Yeah, because I was artillery, and uh, they were, uh, uh, that was the advanced course. You know, we went through the basic when we first went in, and now this was the uh, advanced course, and went through that. And out of the advanced course, they have you uh, fill out what we call a dream sheet. Well, this is where I want to go and what I want to do after uh, the advanced course. Well, I put down, and I'd already cleared and made the arrangements. I wanted to teach ROTC at Western. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah, well, they told me, no, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to be a special projects officer for the post commander at Fort Sill. I said, man, I don't want to do that. 
so I got out of active duty. Little did I know that was the introduction of the airborne guided laser munitions. Oh, that was when the laser munitions (laughs) were introduced. If I had stayed around, I'd been right on the front of all this laser stuff that's going around. But I didn't know that, so... I came back and went to work in North Carolina, but I really missed, I don't know what I missed the most in the military, but I missed it. Right. I don't know if it was its organization, it was not worrying about what clothes to wear because you wore the same uniform. Sure. Or just the camaraderie that you had among them, but I missed it and I joined the guard. Oh, you went into the guard afterwards. Yeah, and I stayed in the guard for 20 years ah. and I got out of the guard after 27 years uh, in the guard and at that point in time they said you're not going to fly anymore because we've got plenty of aviators and we don't need officers flying we need the warrant officers flying so I got in the command chain and I commanded a battery and a battalion and then a brigade here in Kentucky and graduated as the brigade, or retired as the brigade commander. So that oh, was, so you were a brigade commander a here in Kentucky. Route. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Now, where where were you stationed in Kentucky? Well, I was at either Louisville or at the Lexington Airport. That's where our headquarters were. Okay, so you split your time between those two. Yeah, well, uh, yes, and... Of course, we had formation. I, I would hold formation at 7.30 on Saturday morning. So that just kind of tells you at Lexington. So that kind of tells you what time I had to leave Henderson to get there. Oh, so see, so the, yeah, this was all while you were living in Henderson. <laughs> and, and, and teaching at South. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So so then you had, so, so you probably left. Plus, we got the time like change between. 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, gosh, because you're going from Central to Eastern time. Right, and then I wouldn't get home until Sunday night late. Oh, gosh. When I became a brigade commander, we had training meetings that we'd have like on a Tuesday. So I would leave school at 3 o'clock, drive to Lexington, have my meeting, and turn around and drive home so I could teach the next day. Oh, goodness. (laughs) So you you really didn't get weekends, did you? (laughs) No, I, I really didn't. You know, usually I was gone normally three weekends out of the month. They're all okay. So, so you, you, you got at least one at home most of the time. Which... Yeah, yeah. And, of course, I missed all kinds of my daughter's birthdays and yeah. different things and gymnastic meets and cheerleading and, you know, all those right. things that you normally grow up with. I'd be up in Lexington with a bunch of guys while my kids were back home having a party, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or doing sports or this and that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, now what uh, what year was it that uh, you and Sherry moved to Henderson? We've been here almost 40 years. Okay, so let's see. Probably about 80, uh, 82, yeah, 83, yeah, somewhere Yeah, there? 88, yeah. I think. Or 88, okay. Yeah, we moved up here from Madisonville. We came back. Uh, from Madisonville up here, and, and uh, okay, so you lived then, in Madisonville for a bit, right? And then, and I was still in the guard then, so I was traveling from Madisonville up to Louisville and Lexington, and then came up here and did the same thing. Nothing changed with that, but other than the place that we lived. Yeah, Henderson to Lexington, it's not that much shorter of a drive than Madisonville to Lexington. Well, no, it really just depends on which way you go, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, I, I I missed active duty. I really, really did. So that's why I went into the guard and stayed in the guard. I even got out of the guard once for about a year because uh, civilian life was really busy. And right. they called me back and said, "Look, we want you back." And I said, "Okay, I'll come. I'll come back." You know. They didn't have to twist part, your arm too hard, did they? <laughs> no, it was just that part of me that said, you know, I want to do it. I need to do it, and I'm doing it for my family, so yeah. what more can you ask for? Now, what um, what year did you retire from the Guard? Uh, let's see. I know the years probably all run together. <laughs> oh, they do. I, I, I can't tell you right now. It was before know. you uh, retired from, from school teaching, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's been quite a while. But uh, now you taught both middle school and high school, correct? Yeah, I was uh, I was the shop teacher. <laughs> oh, you taught shop. South. Okay. Yeah, I started over there at South Middle School when we had the ninth grade there. Okay, yeah, that was back when freshmen were still at the middle school. Yes, and then I stayed over there when they, they became a middle school. And then I got promoted to the high school. And I came over and, and taught graphic arts at the high school. So uh, Okay, was, so so yeah. you never taught history. I thought you taught history at one point. No, no. I came into uh, several history classes over there. They wanted just to talk about Vietnam because they'd be studying that era. Right. And uh, I'd come in one day and uh, talk to them about it. They'd go down and take my class, and I'd go take their class, which was... Which was neat. It was a good thing. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> gave you a little change of pace, and <laughs> sure, and you know, and, and it was just to show them, hey, you know, I'm a patriot. You know, I believe in this country, and I'm standing up for it. And you need to also, you you know, you don't know, you know, you're you're fat, dumb, and happy sitting right here in this class with everything that's good going around. <laughs> yes, but, fat, dumb, and happy. I love it. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of things going on in this world that uh, you need to to work against, and yeah, so that's, that's part of the, the reason truth. I'm there. Yeah, you. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure at least. Well, you talked to at least one of my classes, maybe more. But the one I remember was uh, Tracy Stallings' class yeah, over at the high yeah, school. Yeah, I'd always go into his class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tracy's a, a retired history. I think he retired not too long ago, maybe two or three yeah. years. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he's he's a good guy. He liked uh, he liked teaching history because he uh, he was one that said, you know, you learn what not to do and what to do because of history. Exactly. There's lessons to be learned there. <laughs> oh, for sure. And for sure. Valuable that, lessons yeah, of that. But that's that's why I spent all that time in the in the military. Is just you know, I I stand up, I salute the flag, and uh, and if I had to, I'd go again and not say a word, you know, even at being 76 years old. Exactly. You you, you defend her still today, just like uh, Lee Greenwood says. Like Lee Greenwood says, yeah. <laughs> God bless the USA, but... Uh, yeah, they sing, they sing that song, I do stand up, that's for sure. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you never sit through God bless the USA, do you? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Yeah, and of course, at the uh, Memorial Day service that's held in Henderson each May, that's... Uh, Let's see, that's Keith yeah. Vincent that usually sings yeah. that. That's, uh, you know, we have that Memorial Day program from the uh, uh, the War Memorial Committee uh, that puts that on down in the park on Memorial Day, and that's that's become a really good, nice event. It really uh, has, yeah, and a lot of yeah, people really... I mean, the last couple of years we've had over a thousand people sitting out there in the, uh, in the shade and had guest speakers and well, that's, you know and 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 that that's the difference memorial day is to remember those people that have passed on it's a, a memorial to them sure veterans day this friday is to honor all that have served you know if you're a veteran you have served therefore that's your day and that's what's happening at south friday I know you said we'd say something about it, so oh, I'll yeah. say it now. It's sure. A, it's open to the public. South puts it on, South Middle School. The uh, Everyone is invited, especially the veterans. They serve uh, a breakfast, a buffet breakfast at 7.30. Can I sneak in? Pro- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> sure, come on in. Come, it's open to the public. Oh, um, gosh. And uh, then they have the program starts at 9.00. And it's going to last about an hour. So it's not that, that long. It's going to be on the radio, WSON, if you wanted to listen to it. And I think they're going to stream it live. Okay, so you can even it. watch it online. Yeah, you can pull it in and watch it, watch it online. You know, I, I taught over there for years, and we had the program, and the, and the people said, well, what about the kids? They're so rowdy, you know, but I'm gonna, I'll tell you this. When the program starts, they are perfect people. 
they get real tentative, don't they? Oh, they do. And they applaud the veterans and they hoop and holler when it's time to hoop and holler. And when it's time to be quiet, they're quiet. So They are quiet. And... Program and everyone is invited. <laughs> yes, indeed. And that, uh, that South Middle School Veterans Day assembly has been... Uh, Staple and Henderson for a long time. They always have a, a great guest speaker, too. Do you know who the guest yeah. speaker is going to be this year? No, I, I, I do, but I can't tell you right now. Okay. Well, you know it's but not going to disappoint. A, he's a, a local native. He's a colonel in the Air Force. Oh, he's an Air Force colonel. Okay, yeah. so you know, yeah. you know you're going to get some good stuff from him. So. Just a second. My wife's telling me who it is. Who is it? Cassius Bentley. Cassius Bentley. Colonel. Okay, I've heard that name. Okay, Colonel, yeah. so Cassius Colonel Cassius Bentley. Bentley. Well, we'll uh, we'll be sure and mark that on their calendars again. That's uh, this Friday, sure. Veterans Day, the sure. uh, the seventh. And um, what time does it get going again? The program starts at nine, and breakfast is at seven thirty. There you go. So seven thirty for breakfast, and uh, nine till tenish for the uh, yeah. for the program. And of course, it's yeah. also on. Uh, on SON. Well, uh, Jim, this has been great. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I know our listeners have, but uh, one more thing before sure. we let you go. If, uh, you know, anybody in our audience thinks that maybe, you know, suiting up and going overseas to, to fight for our country might possibly be their, uh, their calling in the near future, what, uh, what advice might you offer them? You know, there is a time and a place everything and uh, you have to feel it you know not only in your mind but in your heart that that's what you want to do because it is a commitment but I'll tell you you get so much out of it uh, for doing that short period of time plus the benefits are great you know if if you're having trouble or thinking about going to college you can get in there, and after you're through, I mean, you know, it just about pays you to go to college and get your degree, and they'll train you in all kinds of areas, and I'm not a recruiter by no means, <laughs> but I am a person that supports it and says, I don't see anything wrong with somebody going in for a little time. No, exactly. Yeah, you're not a recruiter by trade, but no. you are, and you'd, you'd support anybody with the, you know, oh, with those yeah, endeavors. Yeah. Yeah, and I talk to many people saying, "Well, what about this?" I'm saying, I, "It'll do you good." It, do yes, you good. and it'll uh, it'll definitely give you a strong sense of that buzzword for, or the two buzzwords for the day: American pride. Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, I, I think we both have it. Yes, indeed, we both do. I, I strongly concur. Well, uh, thank you uh, so much for your, your time and your information, Jim. I've had a bunch of fun. I hope you have, sir. Well, I have, and I thank you for asking me. Well, thank you a lot, sir. I know you got a bunch more stories, so we'll have to do this at least one more time. <laughs> sure, sure. I'll still be around a little while. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's bank on that, okay? That's right. You, you take care now. <laughs> to say that Jim Smith is a great source of education and inspiration would be quite an understatement. Never, ever a dull moment in the presence of Jim Smith. I know that anybody who's ever heard any or all of his stories has uh, truly been captivated, and it was such a great pleasure hearing those stories, at least a few of them. I know we didn't even come close to hearing all of them today, but we'll do our best to get Jim back on here because he was uh, an excellent guest, and I sure appreciate his time taken to come on with me. And you make plans to attend the Veterans Day program at uh, South Middle School in Henderson. Now, all of the schools in the county, and probably most of them across the Commonwealth, do something to honor veterans on Veterans Day. But the South Middle School Veterans Day program has been a tradition around these parts for a long time. Well-respected, uh, very well-known, and you can also catch it if you can't make it in person on WSON, like we said. That is 8.60 a.m. on your radio dial, 96.5 FM 
on your radio dial. You can also stream it online, WSONradio.com. And there's also going to be a YouTube video stream on WSON's YouTube channel. So you can even watch the proceedings while you're listening to them. So no reason at all for you to miss the Veterans Day program. Even if you're hearing this podcast after November the 11th, you can go to the YouTube channel there for WSON and catch all the festivities there. And it will truly... Warm your heart, I must say. I know from experience I have listened to that show on the radio plenty of times, and uh, it never disappoints. So uh, plenty more people like Jim that are definitely worthy of a spotlight. A lot of them former veterans, and we don't just have to spotlight those veterans uh, on or around Veterans Day, okay? There's always ample opportunity to feature people of that nature, but uh, I don't know about all of them. I only know about... A few, and I know there are plenty more that I should know about, and that you need to email me and let me know about these folks, okay? It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. That's B L U E G R A S S B L A B B I N at gmail.com. And not just the veterans. Maybe you know a restaurant owner who's been very successful, or maybe he's just starting, he or she, and trying to get off the ground. I'd love to speak with him. Uh, maybe a state park manager. A musician, an educator, uh, a healthcare hero here in the state. I am more than glad to feature any and all of those people as long as they have meaningful connections to the Commonwealth. Then uh, they are fair game for a future spotlight on this program or at least consideration for one. So shoot me that email and uh, let me know about those suggestions that you may have. Also, please reach out to me via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which I need you to like and follow because all of my previous shows are there. There are quite a few of them, but don't be overwhelmed if you have just jumped on board with Blabbing in the Bluegrass. We are ever so happy to have you. Please know that you do not have to listen to any former shows to enjoy future ones, but we think you'll enjoy a number of the guests that we've featured to this point. So feel free to peruse the archives there. About once a week, I come out with teasers on future programs, and you can keep tabs on those through Facebook. Make comments and leave messages. I love hearing from you via that avenue as well. So next time we come at you, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, it will be November the 16th. A week before Thanksgiving, well, eight days to be exact, but uh, November the 16th will be our next show, so make sure that you are here because, mark my words, you are the glue that keeps this show together. So you come on back. Uh, We probably won't have a veteran next week, but um, I'll tell you, if it's up to me, Jim Smith won't be our last one. So you stay around long enough. We're going to give you lots of American pride. I said that was a buzzword, but I stand corrected. That's more like a buzz phrase, American pride. But I tell you, you hang around long enough, we're going to, you know, you're going to have a steady dose of it. Uh, just like I do and I know Jim Smith does. So uh, anyhow, make plans. November 16th, we will be back and you will be back. But before we bid you adieu for this week, let's reveal the long-awaited answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought to you at the beginning of the show. And it dealt with football. It uh, dealt with the Great Lakes Bowl, to be exact. Well, if that doesn't sound familiar, it uh, probably shouldn't. You know, especially for a, a fair number of you, depending on your age, because there were only two Great Lakes Bowls. However, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats were a part of one of them. I want to know who they played and what the final score was. So, their opponent was Villanova. And by the way, the Great Lakes Bowl game took place in 1947 and 1948. So you may very well not have been alive at that point. It took place at uh, Cleveland Municipal Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, Kentucky took part in that game in 1947 playing Villanova. The Wildcats prevailed in that game 24 to 14. They led 10 to nothing after three quarters, and it was an eventful fourth quarter, to say the least. They had to hold off a furious comeback by uh, Villanova, but uh, they won 24 to 14, Kentucky did, 
And uh, Bill Bowler for the Wildcats scored two touchdowns. You remember Bill Bowler, right? Come on, you know you do. He scored two touchdowns, and kicker George Blanda kicked a field goal and three extra points after the touchdown. So George Blanda and Bill Bowler were two key contributors in that Kentucky Wildcat win. It was the Great Lakes Bowl of 1947. And uh, Kentucky won over Villanova 24-14. They had one more Great Lakes Bowl game at Cleveland Municipal Stadium the following year. That was uh, John Carroll College and Canisius. Those were the two teams that squared off. And uh, it was a 14-13 game. I believe John Carroll scored a late touchdown to win that one. And after that... Uh, the game did not exist because they tried unsuccessfully to move the Army-Navy football game out of Philadelphia over to Cleveland, and uh, that did not work out. So since 1948, Cleveland has not hosted a college football bowl game. Whether or not that changes, well, time will tell, I suppose. But uh, 1948 was the last Great Lakes Bowl game at Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Kentucky played Villanova in 47's version of the bowl game, and Kentucky won 24-14. Come on back next week for another brain buster and a whole heck of a lot more fun, and remember to listen and subscribe to the show without paying one thin dime via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal. We've also recently added several directories, including uh, iHeartRadio, Boomplay, Amazon Music, even a few more. So if we're not on your favorite podcast directory as of yet, uh, let me know of your favorite podcast directory, and we will do our best to make sure that uh, Blabbing in the Bluegrass is part of that directory as soon as absolutely possible. So until next time around, do me a favor and make sure you keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.